Hey y'all, before we jump into today's episode, we would like to invite you to a special event we're hosting on May 30th called Women in Whiskey. Join us for an adult field trip filled with Southern fun at the Jack Daniels Distillery right here in our home state of Tennessee. Get ready to learn while sipping. We will be taking a private tour of the distillery, enjoy a barbecue lunch on the beautiful hillside, and partake in early happy hour with cocktails provided by Jack Daniels as we listen in on a conversation with women who work in the industry. The conversation will be led by yours truly, your hosts of the Steel Magnolias podcast. Learn more about the event at steelmagnoliaspodcast.com. You can grab your tickets there and we cannot wait to see you on May 30th. And now on with the show. It's a big week in the South with the Augusta Masters. And we want to give a special thank you to the men and women who contributed to this episode. It was so special to get to collectively hear your stories from the Masters. And we're going to be interspersing those within our conversation. So let's meet at the table. I'm Lainey. And I'm Laura Beth. And we are Steel Magnolias. The strength of steel with the grace of a magnolia. We are here to have uplifting conversations about life in the South. And we've got plenty of room at our table. So pull up a chair. It's the most sought after ticket by golf fans. Today we are so excited to talk about the Masters held annually at Augusta National Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia. The tournament takes place this week that we're recording it, April 8th through 11th. So you're going to see a lot of golf on TV this week. And it is chock full of traditions. Oh my gosh, I had no idea I would love investigating this so much. So yes, we had to dive in, even though Disclaimer, we are not golfers ourselves. But <laughs> and haven't been. We are lovers of all things Southern, and this included. And so we did have to pull some people, some listeners and husbands of listeners and friends of listeners. Yes. And so we did collectively get some great experiences to share with you today. But since 1934, the Masters Tournament has been home to some of golf's greatest moments Amidst azaleas and flowering dogwoods, the first week of April ushers in the stage of a unique golf experience and sport. So it's a four-day experience, 72 holes, the smallest field in major championship golf, and everyone's competing for that coveted green jacket. That's right. We'll be talking about that a lot later, too. Augusta National Golf Club was founded by Bobby Jones, the legendary amateur champion, and Clifford Roberts, an astute investment banker in New York. That's right. Well, Bobby Jones, I could just, I think he deserves his own episode. He sounds like such a cool character. Um, But he was an amateur golfer. He was a lawyer by profession, and he is the one who dreamed up having this beautiful course. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved a quote that I came about um, just in him conceiving this idea of the Augusta course. He said, my native Southland, especially my own backyard, had very few golf courses of championship quality. He regarded this as an opportunity to make a contribution to golf in my own section of the country. He was frequently referred to as the embodiment of the Southern gentleman, a combination of goodness and grace, 
courtesy and consideration. Ooh, I like that. And when I read that, I was thinking, that is what I feel like I hear about going to this experience. Yes. Is that it's just full of courtesy and consideration and goodness. That's so good. So Bobby Jones founded and helped design this Augusta National Golf Club, but he also co-founded the Masters Tournament. And the innovations that he introduced at this course have literally been copied by pretty much every professional golf tournament in the world. Um, He was the most successful amateur golfer ever to compete at a national and international level. He played in 31 majors and won 13 and placed among the top 10 finishers 27 times. Dang. I know. That's amazing. Well, he retired in golf in 1930, so this does go way back. Yes. And he had a dream to build a golf course, and they decided that they were going to build around Augusta, Georgia, only if they could find good land, though. Yeah. You know, they had to find great property. So they get with another friend of theirs, Thomas Barrett Jr., who was a mutual friend, and he finds them 365 acres called the Fruitland Nurseries. Yes. And that option was taken. They bought it for $70,000. Oh, my gosh. And they first decided that they were going to call it the Augusta National and that that would be an appropriate name. So they broke ground, started construction in 1931. They opened the course in 1932 with a limited amount of members, with member play only. And the formal opening took place in January of 1933. Now, keep in mind, this isn't too long after the Great Depression. So, True. you know, this is a this is um, a pretty big undertaking for something like this. And they're asking people to come to a pretty remote location. Yeah. Um, so they did have to scrap their plans of a ladies course. And tennis courts and some other things they wanted to have there. Got it. Um, Got to keep the ladies busy, too. That's right. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just wanted to mention that because I think that's interesting in the timing that yes. this is being built. Agree. Yeah. And, I mean, as soon as 1934, they were already pining to have an annual event at this golf that's course. Right. And so they decided that um, they were going to call it the Masters Tournament. But Bobby Jones objected to that name because he thought that sounded too presumptuous. Okay. And so he proposed that the event be called Augusta National Invitation Tournament. And that was the name that was adopted until 1939. So for five years, it was called Augusta National Invitation Tournament. Okay. Okay. Um, But Jones relented and the name (laughs) was officially changed. So the Augusta National Golf Club is very private. Very private. Um, it's only accessible to club members and their guests. The public can visit the course, but only during the Masters Tournament. Oh, I thought you could vin. Okay, well, that makes sense. And, of course, you've got to have a proper ticket and a badge, and I'll go into tickets later, because if you're wondering, well, I'm never even going to get to go. Eh, maybe. You might be able to. So, um, yeah, so the Masters Tournament is the only men's major golf championship played at the same course every yeah, year. Yeah, so that was interesting to me. Again, not I'm not, I don't keep up with golf, and so I've not really paid attention to that. But there's four major championships. Um, they're simply called the majors. Yeah. And 
um, of those four, like Laura Beth just said, this Masters is the only one played on the same course, and it's always the first one in April. Mm-hmm. Um, in May, you have the PGA Championship. It's at various locations. June, you have the U.S. Open. Again, various locations. Um, and in July, the Open Championship. So um, kind of interesting to think about. This yeah. one is so full of tradition, but it's always at the same place. So that kind of cultivates that. It does. It does. I want to talk about the grounds. Okay. Yeah. Just the grounds is what you always hear about standing out to everybody. Yeah. Um, absolutely just well-maintained and impeccable. Um, I think it's funny that it was a nursery because I was mm-hmm. thinking, you know, it was already, that land was already set apart as um, beautiful plants and shrubs and trees thriving Mm -hmm. yeah anyway um i think is i I think you'll hear that theme too when we in share some experiences yeah that's right so i don't really need to go into all that but it's famed for their azaleas their dogwoods their magnolias um in fact i think it's fascinating that each hole has a name yeah which maybe we'll talk about that more but um of a plant or a flower that is um from that area yeah or thrives in that area um there are rules and policies that are imposed on employees club members and visitors that as one of our people mentions they internally call patrons mm-hmm. um and they're pretty strict um i do have a list of 10 things you can't do at the masters um i'll get to that later but they're just really particular about what they um, allow to cultivate a nice environment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the significant things that you, that you will find on this course is called Berkman's Place, or sometimes it's just called Berkman's or BP. Okay. Um, it's a 90,000 square foot non-public shopping and dining complex that was built in 2012. Um, and it operates for one week of the year. And oh, wow. that's during the Masters. Wow. Um, entry passes for the week cost around $10,000. Holy moly. <laughs> and require Augusta Nationals approval. There's a 10 ticket limit. Oh my gosh. And as in the rest of the club, no cell phones, no photography. Um, but this price does include free dining at the full service restaurants that they have there an exclusive parking lot, an entryway. Um, this complex is located near Hole 5. And it was named from um, Louis, Louis Matthew Berkmans, whose family owned the land the club is was built on. Oh, okay. That's fun. From 1858 to 1910, this family owned it. Okay. So anyhow, it's a that's nice a nod complex to them. you may hear about. Wow. May but not ever enter, the, or maybe not, you have. They're not coming to pick you up by plane and bringing you <laughs> for that price, but they're going to cover your food. That's really nice of them. And it just, you know, many, <laughs> many things like this have the exclusive area. So the Masters is not different in that way. Um, lots of things about the course that we'll let other people tell you about. But there is one thing I wanted to mention that I think is such a cute name. The Amen Corner. I love Amen Corner. I didn't know about this before we started researching it, though. Okay, so it's one of the most hallowed places in all of golf. It comprises the 11th, 12th, and 13th hole. And it's been a legendary spectacle at the Masters. Um, 
I, I read something that said pros fear it and fans adore it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and it never fails to deliver drama. So that's why it's got that reputation. Um, but the name was coined from um, an, a writer in Sports Illustrated. Yes. In 1958, Herbert Warren Wind wrote of this sacred spot. Um, and he said, at the farthest reach of the Augusta National Course, down in the Amen Corner, where Ray's Creek intersects the 13th Fairway near the T, then parallels the front edge of the green on the short 12th and finally swirls along Side the 11th green. Um, he got that name from a song that was called Shouting at the Amen Corner. Okay. And um, anyhow, so I just think that name is so well, cute. And that was also a time when Arnold Palmer would have been playing this course. And he was somewhat miraculous in some of the manners that he played. So I know that that was part of that time, too, that I read that he was sometimes describing the way Arnold Palmer played those holes. Okay. So, that's cool. yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Masters is also kind of known for their caddies. Um, they employ a staff of caddies to assist their members, guests, and professionals. Every golf course has that. But these wear a trademark white jumpsuit year-round. They wow. always have that on. Before 1983, staff caddies were assigned to players at the Masters. Um and all four majors and some tour events required the use of the host club caddies. Mm-hmm. But now um, you can... You can bring your own. Bring your own. Oh, okay. Or, yeah. They probably they have do, to go through I think like they a do rigorous... still have to wear the jumpsuit and oh, all I'm of sure. that. But um, yes, consistency is key. <laughs> That's right. So let's hear from some of our um, listeners on their experience on these grounds and on the course. I've been on the grounds at Augusta National for the Masters twice and both times were spectacular memories that will last a lifetime. It's true what they say. It does look perfect on TV, but once you're there in person, it's even more amazing. From television broadcasts, you really have no idea just how hilly the terrain is and how vast the property is. There's not a piece of mulch or blade of grass out of place anywhere. Everything is the most perfect green you've ever seen. Even the parking lot areas are beautifully landscaped. Maybe the most shocking is the complete absence of corporate sponsor logos that pervade every other major sporting event. There are zero, none to be found anywhere. If it's not branded with a master's logo, it's just plain. There's absolutely nothing to distract from the magic and beauty of Augusta National during Masters Week. My memory of going to the Masters was just how amazing of an experience it was. I went with my dad, which growing up watching the Masters on TV with him, And then actually seeing the course and seeing everything and the roads and the surrounding area in person was just surreal. Everything was so immaculate. It looked unreal how everything was cared for. Just the energy of everybody that was there because it's such a crazy thing to be able to get tickets and be able to attend. Um, Even everything from the gift shop and just the lines, everything was the best customer service I've ever seen anywhere. Um, When you get to go to a tournament like that and you get to experience it in person, it just changes things. You just look at things differently. Now, whenever I see it on TV, I remember walking those grounds and I remember the experience of, wait, on television, it looks like it's not that hilly, but when you actually get out there and walk it yourself, it has so many hills and it's such a wide expanse of things. Um, But 
it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. I cherish it forever. So that even makes me want to get my hands on a ticket hearing those stories. I know. And I am going to go into maybe how you can get some tickets or two tickets or a ticket later on. You may on. have to apply, apply, apply. Yes. But anyway, well, let's talk about membership. Okay. Um, at this point, there's about 300 members at any given time. Um, it's strictly by invitation. There's no application process for this. That's kind of interesting to it me. It is interesting. Um, that... This club was pretty late in allowing people of color and women as members. Um, They were missing out on that whole population. But um, I did think it was interesting that they extended their membership to Condoleezza Rice and Darla Moore on August 20th of 2012. We would love to chat with them. And those are two people I would love to have on this podcast. Um, Anyhow... Uh, just in general, we want to talk to them, not necessarily about being about members. Being, that's right. I've got so many things to ask both of them. Anyhow, uh, should we talk about some notable current members? Oh, yeah. Do you I know them? That's kind I, don't, of fun. I don't know. I don't know them. Well, so. I, I did print out a list. I think this, uh, so the list I found included Warren Buffett. Okay. Bill Gates. Um, lots of executives from like the Coors Brewing and IBM. I wouldn't have known their names, but right, right, right. you know, lots of those, um, NFL people, Lou Holtz, another one I would love oh, to have on this fun. podcast, Peyton Manning, oh, or, cool. um, Jack Nicholas, obviously, uh, Sam Nunn, who was a former Senator from Georgia. We've already mentioned Condoleezza Rice. Um, so lots of chairmen of uh, organizations and that kind of thing um, have their green jackets. So yes. let's talk about let's... the green jacket. So it is green. <laughs> very green. I mean, it's very much stands out. The ma- and their little logo that's on the pocket, it reminds me of my Girl Scout, um, little Girl Scout patches you would get to go it, on your sash is it because of the colors because yeah. it's yellow maybe because it's green and yellow okay. but it looks like those patches well they're the, probably cringing if anybody <laughs> hears that because these were like nice brooks brother jackets but oh for sure anyway they are very nice the green jack the master's green jacket is presented to the master's winner in the immediate aftermath of their victory and the jacket is borrowed off an Augusta member with roughly the same build. I, I thought that was so hilarious. Cute. And before the champion is later measured, of course, for their own tailored version, but we're talking like for the ceremonial purposes, right. they're, you know, sizing up who, who's got a green jacket right on right now. That's close to the build of our um, about to be winner. The master's green jacket was first introduced in 1937 the idea was that Augusta National members would wear these jackets during the tournament to make them stand out to members of the public needing assistance. Because remember, members of the public are only coming in for this tournament. Right. So they may not need, know their way around or they may need a little help. And that idea actually was borrowed from an experience that the owners had over at a over at a different tournament, I think in Royal Europe. Liverpool. In, in Europe. England. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yes, now there's a ceremony where the new champion is presented with his or her jacket in Butler Cabin by the previous year's champion. Wow. But here's what I thought was interesting. The Masters champion can keep his jacket for a year. What? That's like, it. it feels like a Miss America crown. Like, 
<laughs> you just keep it for a year. And then he has to return it to Augusta National where it remains. He can then only wear it when he is on site at the golf club. So it kind of is still yours, but you just don't get to have it at home. And that's the same for members. Their jackets stay on the course. You don't take it with you. You're not. A, they don't leave the course. Right. There was one exception. Did you? I did read that. This was hilarious. So um, Gary Player, I think that was the name of the uh, individual that won the Masters in 1961. He became the first international winner and took the jacket home with him to South Africa. When Player returned to Augusta National in 1962, he forgot to bring the jacket. Forgot. Right. I think that's the thing is it's kind of like oh, he you kept think? coming up with reasons okay. why. Yeah. Well, he told Augusta National Director Clifford Roberts, well, you can come and fetch it over here. So anyway, he actually does still have the jacket at home, but he agreed to never wear it in public. I think it might even be in a museum about him. That's hilarious. There, so. But yeah, all the rest of them stay on the course. Kind of surprised they actually didn't send somebody over to, to get retrieve it. the jacket. That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. Well, um, can I, I found a fun little list. 10 things you can't do at Augusta National. Oh yeah. Tell us. Because it does feel like there's going to be a lot of rules. There's a protocol. For sure. And, you know, not necessarily in a snobbery way, but just to, to maintain the integrity of the of the course and the game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a complete ban on mobile phones on the property and outside of the media center. Yep. And outside the media center. Um, if you're spotted with the phone, even if it's in your pocket, you will be asked to leave the premises. Wow. They're for real. And they have people in among the crowds watching for this. I'm sure. Um, number two, you're not allowed to run at Augusta National, which leads to quite an amusing scene when the gates open. Oh, I can just imagine the, the fast-paced walking that's happening. Yes. Power walk at its prime. Because yes. I will mention, you know, you have the freedom to, some people choose to kind of walk the course as things are happening. Right. And some people choose to kind of take a spot. Right. They're like, I'm 11th hole I'm or bust. always on the, so, right. Yeah. And it's funny because I can see the beauty of both. Like, you you know, this might be your only opportunity to go or you don't get to go very often. And so you want to not miss anything. Yeah. But if you stake out a spot. Yeah. To me. Jack this, Nicholas or Tiger Woods, say, they're going to walk right by you. To me, this is I'm interested in a player. Yeah. I want to see a player. Yeah. So, um, you know, versus I want to see the grounds and experience this or I want to take in, you know the wholeness of this yeah so um you are not allowed to take anyone's fold-up chair even if it's been unattended for hours (laughs) so that's kind of funny because the patrons will rush to their favorite spot put that chair down to kind of make their mark and then they could go do whatever they want to do and get back to it so they're not opposed opposed to saving seats I mean, because there is, I guess they have to do that because there are no seats. Right. It's not a ticketed event where you've got a seat. So, yeah, they do allow for that. Interesting. Actually, I feel like I've seen some pictures with maybe a little bit of bleachers. I don't know if that's true or not. Yes, I have Did too. I, so yeah, yeah, there yeah. is that. Yeah. yeah. But um, anyhow, you're not, number four was you're not permitted to sit down on the grass. You're going to hear a story about that after we finish this list. We're going to tell you some player interactions. Uh, no sunbathing or lying down on the hallowed turf. <laughs> uh, don't think about bringing branded goods to Augusta National. That came up in our conversation already. But um, 
no logos anywhere. Right. And I do think that is so fascinating because that is kind of one of those things that you almost expect when you go to a sporting event is to have. Oh, for sure. Every logo known to man in your face. There are majors in college that are just sports marketing. I (laughs) mean, it's a specialized field, you know? And so, yeah, it's going to get covered up if it's on a truck at the Masters. Right. It's definitely keeping the purity of this is about the sport alone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No coolers or containers of any kind. I'm sure. But they do give you fair prices on food. We'll get to that. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, No tipping allowed at all at Augusta National. Okay. A rule that dates back to the days of the co-founder, Clifford Roberts, who didn't want members to be treated differently based on how much they tipped. That's good. Yep. Uh, In terms of attire, you must wear shoes at all times, bare feet, unacceptable. So that's one of those rules that cracks me up because I'm like, so somebody was barefoot. That's how that rule came up. I know. What the heck, guys? Keep your shoes on. (laughs) And no caps on backwards. Oh, yeah. Like, keep it, you right. know, keep it real keep and it classy. looking nice. That's right. Um, That's yeah, interesting. I those were interesting. Well, let's share a quick story um, about somebody that firsthand um, came to know one of those rules pretty quickly. And then also just some of the player interactions that are a special part yes. of having an experience at Augusta. Funny story that I'd be able to share regarding uh, my one trip to the Masters back in 2017 was when some college buddies of mine and uh, had gone down to uh, South Carolina for a golfing trip. And then we made our way over on a Tuesday for a practice round. And we'd gotten up at 5 a.m. that day. So it was an early rise and we got there roughly when the gates opened and um, found ourselves having walked literally miles and miles and miles of rolling hills all day. I think the only time we actually sat down was to grab a quick bite at one of the concession areas. Uh, We had finally made our way roughly mid-afternoon to the 10th green, and uh, we were decided to set up camp there for a while and watch some golfers come by. And that's kind of when the beauty of the day kind of took over. Uh, Being a little tired from the early rise had gotten, gotten to me. I recall pushing back on my elbows pulling my hat down over my face and closing my eyes. I figured if I could just catch a couple of uh, minutes of sleep before the next golfers came through, my batteries would be recharged. Well, it probably wasn't a full minute before I had someone kicking at the bottom of my feet. It was one of the uh, officials there letting me know that they didn't want us doing that there. They either wanted us uh, in a seated position or standing up and I totally get uh, their ask. But it's a funny story um, because it was just the beauty of that day, that lush grass, that perfect weather and the wind. It was just a perfect uh, recipe for putting, lulling me to sleep. But it, it's one that I'll always remember. I remember standing in the pine straw halfway down hole number two. Uh, Tiger hit an errant shot that landed right next to us. My buddy, not realizing it was a less than perfect shot, congratulated Tiger when he walked up. I'm not going to tell you what Tiger's response was. It just is not not appropriate. So not for this. I think the most special thing that I recall was seeing Jack Nichols and Arnold Palmer uh, playing and, and teeing off in the first round. It was just a, an honor to see both of those. Also, I got to see Tiger Woods in his prime and, and the beauty of the course. It just was awesome. Um, I always have had a dream to try to get to all the major sporting events. And so it was neat that John and I had the opportunity to go to the 1996 Masters. 
And um, that famously was the year that Greg Norman kind of had the collapse and lost to Nick Faldo. But what I really remember about, one, how beautiful the course was. And I'm not even a golfer, but it was just unbelievably gorgeous. And the other thing was everyone was so kind. The staff, the workers, there was no snottiness or uppityness or whatever. They were all so helpful, so kind. And because we sat on the 16th uh, green, we got to see Raymond Floyd hit a hole-in-one because it's a par three. So that was really exciting, too. I think for me as a golfer, uh, going to the Masters is the one uh, major you really want to get to because it's played on the same course every year. Uh, and so you feel like you know those holes over and over. A, a couple of memories for me that were really special was the first day that we walked in, we walked up to the first tee box, and there stood Honor Palmer. I think it might have been the fifth or sixth tee box. And it seemed like he looked everybody on that tee box in the eye uh, as if to say hello and thank you for being here. And I thought that was really cool. Um, but it's just a special place, and everybody ought to get a chance to go if you can. Isn't that just what you want to hear from a renowned player? It is. It's, I mean, you want to hear that they're looking, if, looking you in the eye, yeah. just being so kind. If you show up to an event like this that you may have been pining to go to for yes. years, you, you don't want to get blown off. A positive experience, for sure. Even and I've heard about that, about him before. I had not anything around the Masters, but one of my clients was telling me about when Arnold Palmer was playing on the same courses him and he hit a right. great shot and right. Arnold Palmer like from his spot was kind of yeah. cheering him on yeah that's pretty that's cool very cool yeah because yeah I mean think about the stress that they're under and the pressure that they have on themselves even yeah. especially so, I mean, something like this yeah in the moment it would be easy to just kind of be like looking down or you know not want to engage the crowd so that's just extra special well, there's a couple things I, I wanted to make sure I said that don't really fit every, <laughs> with the things we're talking about, but they're important. You know, we were talking about this Masters is every year, mm-hmm. but there is a exception to that. In 1943 to 1945, they did not have the Masters because World War II was going oh, on. Oh, I so, did not know that. Okay. Um, and not only that they, it was just, it wasn't just sitting stagnant. They were raising turkey and cattle on the grounds to help with the war effort. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? Whoa. So, I don't Whoa. know how many azaleas and dogwoods were eaten, you know, up. eaten up in that <laughs> time frame, but um, I just found that fascinating. Wow. And the other thing um, that was pretty interesting to me was Clifford Roberts um, personally invited. Dwight D. Eisenhower and his wife Mamie to come to Augusta in 1948. Eisenhower took a liking to the club. He became a member. Not only that, he hired Roberts as his executor and financial advisor. Okay. And there is a Eisenhower cabin there on the property. It was constructed for him while, you know, to stay there on the grounds. And during his presidency, Eisenhower visited Augusta 29 times. Whoa. So he was quite he was the fan. Active, for sure. Quite the fan. That's amazing. Well, would this really be a Southern event if there wasn't something special about the food? No. Oh, my goodness. Right? right? We got to talk about that. So the concession stands, you would think, would be uppity. I know. This is you another would. thing I love about this. I mean, 
I don't know that I would go as far as to think that there's just people standing around with martinis, but you know, maybe <laughs> something. But no, it is. They keep it casual and southern. I would say they keep it casual, and they even go extreme with the, the prices, low cost. I know this is like little league baseball Seriously. concession price. This is egg salad sandwich for a dollar fifty. Pimento cheese. Yes. They're known for their pimento cheese. I, I tried to find the pimento cheese recipe. It's a dollar fifty. You're right. Well, they're they're kind of secretive about it, but yes. I saw a package that somebody had put a picture up that has the actual ingredients so I could kind of dissect the recipe okay from that well I did come across a cute blog called intentionalhospitality.com oh I like the sound of that and she has uh, seven famous masters golf tournament recipes you must try now I think she has just tried to figure them out yes. I don't think she literally was given these recipes but I just thought that oh. was fun if you're gonna host a little master's watching party or something you definitely need to check that out okay we'll link to that in the show notes but um beer four bucks yeah that's the most expensive thing on the menu that's amazing like if you want an import beer maybe that's a little five. more five I think that's fine yeah <laughs> or yeah yeah it, or craft, craft beer. beer yeah yeah that's so fun. $5, most expensive thing. That shocks me. One so, of the things that stood out to me as sounding like it would be a tasty thing to have on a golf course is the Master's Peach Ice Cream Sandwich. Oh, that sounds divine. Made by Christy Cookies in Nashville. Oh. Isn't that fun? So it's two sugar cookies with peach ice cream in the middle. Probably with Georgia peach ice cream. Georgia peach ice yes. cream. You're correct. But anyway, I thought that was fun that it was made by Nashville's Christy cookies. Well, that's amazing. Um, a lot of this we have focused on sort of the patrons of this event. And I'm kind of now curious as to what's the kid factor here. So I wouldn't take little littles because I wouldn't know how to act. Well, but. could you? Are you allowed? Let's talk about I didn't so look that up. Some of the experiences um, that I want to share included people that this was a real moving experience for them and their kids. So let's go into that now. I've got great memories of going to the Masters, uh, specifically with my three kids. Uh, my first trip with one of my children was with my son, who was nine at the time, and he got to see his favorite golfer, Tiger Woods. Then a few years later, I got to go with my daughter, and we got to go on a Thursday and I have a picture of us at the honorary start with Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, and Gary Player. That was very special. And then just two years ago, I was able to go with my youngest son, which was extremely special because of the three kids, he's the only one that plays golf. So it was really special to pass that on to them after my dad had passed that on to me and my granddad on to him. My favorite memory from the Masters occurred on my second trip there in 2018. I had been trying to win tickets in the Masters ticket lottery for the last 15 years. So when I finally won two tickets for the Friday rounds of tournament play, I knew immediately that I wanted to take my then 20-year-old daughter. She had played high school golf since the sixth grade, but now she was a college student living away from home. She loved golf growing up, and we spent countless afternoons and weekends on the course playing together and teaching her the game. So she too was fascinated by the Masters. So we planned a four-day golf trip for just the two of us, culminating with the Masters on Friday. 
When we walked through those gates together, she was like a toddler on Christmas morning all over again. We ate the famous pimento cheese sandwiches, sat at every fam famous vantage point, and even sat behind the 18th green as Tiger Woods and many of her other favorite golfers passed within inches of us as they walked off the green. We explored every inch of the course and bought enough souvenirs to help us remember the trip for decades to come. It's not only my favorite master's memory, but one of my favorite memories of fatherhood that I will cherish long beyond any souvenir. To experience a place like Augusta National and an event like the Masters with her was a daddy's girl memory that will last a lifetime. Now that is amazing that there's this generational um, bonding happening. And I love that even um, with Mark, it was with his daughter. It's not just for guys. Right. This is a bonding thing that can happen. And when he said one of his favorite moments of fatherhood, wow. Yeah. And I do think it is special for dads or moms to take a child that is a golfer, too. Absolutely. I mean, what a rite of passage for them to that esteem to. Yeah. And there, again, because there's so much tradition around it, there's things they've watched their whole life, and now they're seeing it face to face. Yeah. Tiger Woods was the youngest winner of the Masters at 21 years old when he won in 1997. That so so some of these kids weren't that far off from being that age. That's too, true. That these, that That's right. Some of these Taking stories. a team. Um, so let's talk about kids. So to purchase a badge, and I'm going to get deep into tickets here in a second, you have to be 21 or older okay. to, to make that purchase. So you applicants can apply for any and all days, but you have to be 21 or older. There is a program that was founded in 2008 called the Junior Pass Program. So the Masters offers a Junior Pass Program for series badge patrons. And those are um, those who qualify. They're contacted directly by the Masters. So you know if you're a series page <laughs> badge patron. Um, there are... Um, no other ticket holders that qualify for this, but I want to let you know for those series badge patrons, there are um, apparently fans age eight to 16. Okay. That can attend for free when accompanied by a series page badge patron. So again, that's a, an exclusive group of people, mm -hmm. but they are trying, it sounds like, to get 8 to 16-year-olds sort of immersed in this culture. And, of course, there's a limit of one child per patron. Oh, yeah. So you heard some of those stories. Bill, for instance, took one child Each at a time. time. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about tickets. My goodness. Some of y'all are like, there's probably no way to even ever get a ticket for that. Well, there's a couple of ways. One, you could win the lottery. I don't mean the Mega Millions. <laughs> that would definitely get you a, an opportunity to yeah. perhaps get in. So each year, the Masters Tournament offers a ticket lottery, which determines who is able to buy tickets for the next tournament. I'm going to go ahead and link in our show notes the application for 2022. Yeah. So if you want to go ahead and get online and apply for that, you can do that. So that's the first option, to win the lottery for an option to then buy the ticket. Option number two is to get a patron badge. That's what I was just talking about a minute ago with the kids option. Okay, unfortunately, these badges are pretty impossible to get now. So Augusta National has a limited number of badges out there in the world. And once you have one, you can keep it for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. Okay. 
If someone who does have one dies, it can only be transferred to their surviving spouse. It cannot be transferred to any other family member or an estate. If there is no surviving spouse, the badge goes back into the pool and the next person on the waiting list gets their chance. The last time the waiting list was opened for new names was the year 2000. Oh, wow. So okay. that's how I'm, I mean, yeah. this is, so don't hold your breath and get on that one. master's access this way. Okay. And the third and final way would be like the secondary market. So this is the most expensive way. Oh, I thought you were going to say a mem- be a member's guest. Well, <laughs> you know, I guess there's that, but I mean like still people that are just trying to buy a ticket. Yeah. Um, you're looking at, I mean, a thousand plus if you're wanting to get a tournament day that especially like if you're wanting to see Sunday's game which would be the final day yeah it could be a thousand dollars plus to claim a seat well that's why people even get excited to just go to the practice rounds yes yeah and those can even be like three and five hundred dollar tickets but um I was cracking up because I was like here's the route our dad would have taken us (laughs) on uh you can hang out in the parking lot during the masters and see if you can score a badge from someone leaving the grounds Ah. Okay. Okay. Each ticket is limited to two re-entries per round. Okay. So, like, if somebody was leaving, they could technically re-enter. Okay. Um, You know, so you but might. But if it's good, if they're you not might, leaving. So, if somebody's, you know, very being a very generous patron, they might give you their pass. But I want to say officially, though, that tickets cannot be bought, sold, or handed off within 2,700 feet from the so yeah I mean, I'm saying again keeping lot. it classy that's technically tacky so yeah um not officially approved but yeah just you know i would say go ahead and enter that lottery online yeah. if you're really wanting to to make this an option and um, i counted almost 90 players in the lineup for this year and they're from all different countries wow so I wanted to make sure people knew that, too, that this, you know, we mentioned the South Africa story earlier. You know, this isn't just continental US, U.S. players. right? So anyway, future master dates next year is April 4th through the 10th. As we mentioned, it's always that early April time slot. So if you're wanting to get a chance for tickets, go ahead and put your name in the lottery. Can't hurt for trying. That's right. You may have to enter a few years in a row, but once you land one, it sounds like it's a... yeah lifetime experience that's right that's right well thanks again for those of you guys that shared your stories with us it so meant, special it meant so much for us to hear them and obviously it meant so much for you all to get to attend so Lainey, peace be with you oh and also with y'all <laughs> <laughs>